Today on CityCast Denver, from the quote-unquote Vegas-style shooting plot to the wildfire smoke filling our skies, we're taking a look back at the news of the week. Today is Friday, July 16th, 2021. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. I'm here with CityCast producer Xander McMahon. Hey, Paul. How was your week? It was fine. <laughs> and so I'm also joined by a special guest this week. It's a good friend of mine, Donnie Betts. Donnie, welcome to CityCast. Hey, thank you, Paul. I'm happy to be here. So listeners, you're going to be hearing more from Donnie next week. Donnie is going to be guest hosting a week of the show. It is very special. I'm very excited. So let's take a few minutes just at the top here to get to know Donnie a little bit. Donnie, I know you as a theater actor, director, playwright, award-winning filmmaker, activist, inventor, podcaster, etc. But I think the project of yours that has really clicked with me the most is your award-winning radio drama series, Destination Freedom, Black Radio Days, which is inspired by or a continuation of a radio show by the same name from around 60 years ago. And I think that might be a really good way for listeners to get to know you better and your perspective. Can you can you tell us about that project and where it came from? I sure can. Thank you so much, Paul. That is a definite passion of mine and a love affair that I've had for the last uh, over 20 years now with Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Originally, the series started in 1948 in on WMAQ in Chicago. The series of 93 audio dramas was written by one band, Richard Dorn, who's one of the first Blacks to be inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. I came to the series uh, in 1998, 99 at KUVO Radio here in Denver, Colorado, eventually moved in 2001 to KGNU Radio. This series was about African-American Black people who were seeking freedom, freedom from persecution. Uh, so it also, it talked about individuals like, um, say, uh, Jackie Robinson or Mary McLeod Bethune, but I also dealt with events um, like to talk about segregation. We talked about gentrification at that time in Chicago. So this was fascinating to me. And I thought it related to what's happening in our country today. So I still continue that series. I produce it as a podcast now, Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. We do original as well as we pay homage to the original shows. So we switch between new shows that are being written now by myself and other writers. And also going back to some of the original shows and giving it a new fresh take. And it's an excellent series that uh, listeners should definitely make some time for this weekend before hearing Donnie's first show hosting CityCast Denver on Monday. But in the meantime, let's talk about some news. Uh, Xandra, what do you think was the top story of the week this week? I wish it wasn't this, but I really think that the top story was the Maven Hotel bust from over the weekend that mm. uh, led into All-Star Week and had everyone initially in a tizzy about basically what happened was four people were arrested at the Maven Hotel over the weekend because uh, a hotel housekeeper discovered like 16 long guns, a bunch of body armor. And so she called, she told her manager, they called the police. The police did a raid of the rooms and the cars and they found all this, all these weapons and, and drugs, but that didn't come out later. And basically media took that and just ran with it, <laughs> which like, and I don't want to say media with a capital M because I'm a part of the media too, but I was 
disappointed in how early coverage of that was handled because then you saw the headlines that basically said Vegas style massacre averted and, you know, all these things that basically drew lines to the Las Vegas mass shooting. And it turned out it wasn't that at all. It was it was a drug bust, a drug deal, a weapons deal. And because one officer made mention that like, oh, it's kind of scary that it was this close to Coors Field on All-Star Week. Some journalists chose to take that and blow it out of proportion. Hmm. Donnie, did this story uh, cross into your your Internet? Did you see this? I did hear about this story and I agree that it was so overblown and misreported that it was really kind of sickening because with as many shootings and as much violence as we have in this country, uh, we don't need any, any stories like that to exaggerate that it could have been a possibility of a mass shooting when it was indeed just a, a, a drug bust. I will applaud once again, the housekeeper who went in, I'm glad they're keeping her name out of the news too, that went in because normally what happened at the mass shooting in Las Vegas is they never went into the room. So in this case, somebody went into the room and everything was uh, averted. So we just applaud that housekeeper for uh, basically doing her due diligence and alerting authorities and alerting to her management that something was not right. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I I, I remember, um, you know, speaking to the media angle on this, like, Xander, you and I on Sunday we were seeing this all roll out and we were talking about this over the course of the day. Like, how are we going to cover this? And there were, there was times when I, I was unsure, you know, that, that phrase, Las Vegas style shooting, Las Vegas style shooting. It was just, it got in my head and I, I was thinking, oh my, well, you know, don't we have a responsibility to say this, that this mm-hmm. was a possibility. And the FBI office was like, we have no reason to exclude that as a light, as a possible explanation for this, occurrence. Uh, but it doesn't, we also don't have any evidence to support it. You know, at the same time, the arrest was already made. Like, I, I guess I don't put as much credence on the, uh, the explanation of this as like, a like fear mongering on the part of the press mm-hmm. by using that phrase, by pointing to that possibility, because the people who were supposedly, who would, would have supposedly been involved with this plot had been arrested. Like, yeah. Like no matter what they were doing, the threat was eliminated. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I don't know. This is just my my plea to news outlets. Like, just just take a minute, take a beat, think before you publish that headline. Yeah. Anyways, enough of my soapbox. Paul, what about you? What top story caught your eye this week? Well, for me, it wasn't really like one story, but this was a week where I was really thinking about climate change a lot. Like I listened to an episode of The Daily, I think it was Wednesday, maybe it was Tuesday morning, where they were talking about the heat wave in the Pacific Northwest. And there was this moment where the reporter who was on was talking about this migrant who had come over, who had paid uh, who had paid somebody $8,000 to help them get across the border. And they, they needed to find work in Portland. So they were working as a farm worker. And when it started to get really, really hot, they needed the money to pay to pay what they owed to this person who helped them get across the borders. They felt all this pressure to be working during the heat wave and died because of it. And that, that story just really like hit home for me. And because I was outside when I was listening and I was looked up to our sky and I just saw this huge plume of wildfire smoke and realized this is never going away. This is what our lives are now in the summer, just forever. It's going to get worse and worse. And people and poor people are going to be affected more than anyone else. 
And it's, uh, it's an awful hell world we live in now. Mm. Yeah. So that's my top story. Super depressing. <laughs> Donnie, how do you think about climate change on a day-to-day basis? Is, uh, do the wildfires get you down? I would say yes. Um, I grew up in Northeast Texas. And we had fires a lot too. And then I moved to California and there were still fires. Now I'm in Colorado and there's still fires. So we're talking about an over the course of 40 or so years that they've just gotten more intense and worse and more acreage being burned. So not only do I think about wildfires, I think about, in my case, um, the way weather was so severe and now in Texas, and now it's just as severe in Colorado, meaning things like tornadoes, wildfires, you know, mudslides. It just, it's just a constant and mudslides are a result from the wildfires so that the growth is not there to protect after we get big rainfall. So it's just been very scary um, this summer. And I think about, you know, I have three grandsons. I think about how it's gonna impact them. And part of what they've been doing last year in school was talking about this climate change and how it impacts their generation. Yeah, it just gives me flashbacks to growing up in Colorado Springs. And I was in high school when like the Black Forest fire happened and the Waldo Canyon fire happened. And now everyone knows how old I am. But, um, you know, <laughs> well, I, I talked about grandson. So, you, yeah. you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, you know, and, and those fires in Colorado Springs were so bad. I mean, it was just like fire all around us and ash just falling from the sky every day and not being able to like see, you know, more than 10 feet in front of you on bad smoke days. It was ridiculous. So every time summer comes around and there's wildfire smoke in the air, I think about that time and I just think about how many people have lost homes and... Yeah, it's a bummer. And uh, but also it's so normalized now. Like I was out at Green Mountain Reservoir a couple of weekends ago and it was like we got out of the car. And we're like, oh, yeah, wildfire smoke. OK, well, we'll just <laughs> go on with our day. You know, it's just like it's going to smell like smoke all day. All right, let's move on. Donnie, was there a story this week that came out that just made you go, eh, I don't need to I don't need to pay attention to this. In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> As someone who um, lived in California at one time and tried In-N-Out Burger when I was eating uh, those type of things, which I don't anymore, I was like, really? Seriously? You know, I drive by where I live in Aurora and see the lines waiting for people to go in, and I still don't get it. It's still just a burger. It's just meat between two buns, Okay. So um, I don't care. I didn't really didn't care about it. And I don't see why it's still getting press now. You know, people need work and the people who work there, they deserve to get a salary and that sort of stuff. But otherwise, to have a story about it each and every time there's a new one opening or if um, the lines alone, it's just not worth our attention. No. We, we couldn't agree more with you, Donnie. I mean, we did a whole episode back in June rating burgers in Denver. in and out was one of them. And uh, yeah, we didn't understand it either. We we're like, why are people going crazy over this burger? It just it's it's nothing that special. And I don't need to see a story about it. I also think that it's insane that when the Lakewood one opened, Lakewood police had to tweet out drive-through instructions with a map so people wouldn't create a traffic hazard. Like, we're at that point where the police department needs to give you detailed instructions on how to go through a drive-through lane. Wow. Tax dollars at work. I love it. <laughs> what about you, Paul? Uh, you know, for me, the the thing that made me go, meh, was... Um, 
It was just another one of these lists. Like the Denver named most healthy city in the country. Denver named most blah, 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 whatever in the country. Uh, and this week it was the U.S. News and World Report saying Denver named among the best places to live. And I guess we were number 14 or something on that list. And whenever I see something like this, I remember uh, one of my first journalism jobs. I got a press release announcing one of these uh, bullshit lists. And I didn't know how it worked. Like, I didn't know what my job was, which was just write it up and publish it and get all the clicks that these things normally generate. And I just, I, I asked for an interview. So I talked to the person <laughs> who put together the subject and I asked Ooh. the questions you always ask, who, what, where, when, and why. And why, why they put together this list. The answer was so illuminating because this person told me, I'll remember this to this day. I always think about it when I see these. She said... Oh, um, we're a consulting company and we create these lists to attract business. That's it. Really? So every time I see it, I'm like, well, what's their motive here? Like, what is, what is U.S. News and World Report trying to get out of this? This is just a commercial. Like, that's basically what you're reading. It's a commercial. So any, anytime you see one of those lists, like, think for a second, like, who's benefiting from this? What, what, what does this list mean? Why, why did... Why is this in front of you right now? Right. Do we do we really need to be sharing it on on every platform? All right, let's move on to our final prompt, our final topic. What is something you did in Denver recently that brought you joy? Alexandra? Well, it's not something that's super special to Denver, but I finally got to go and sit in a movie theater again for the first time since before the pandemic, and it was so great. And what was even cooler was now that we live downtown, I got to walk to the theater. Like, we went to the theater on 16th Street Mall, which, like... You know, 16th Street Mall is fine, but it's the closest theater to us. And it was just nice to be able to walk because, you know, it, it built in some time for me and my girlfriend to chat about the movie afterwards and, you know, have our analysis. And then also, you know, you're walking off all of that popcorn and junk food. So it was great. Sure. It was very it was very fun and a great reentry into the movie theater experience. Hmm. What'd you see? Oh, Black Widow, of course. Yeah. Would you like it? Yeah, I loved it. We're a big MCU nerd family, so uh, we, we get down on all those. <laughs> all right, Donnie, how about you? What's something you did in Denver recently that brought you joy? Well, I'll tell you, um, last Sunday, I met with a group of friends, about seven of us, six of us, uh, black men, and we just broke bread together. We all made uh, dishes. Mostly, I made most of the dishes myself, so. <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure that there was food there, you know, <laughs> so, and nobody just brought chips and things like that. But we just broke bread together. We talked about current events like we're doing now. We talked about how we've been dealing with the pandemic and opening back up, how comfortable we, we felt being around each other still. And we had most of us hadn't seen each other probably in a year and a half, if not longer. And it was good. You know, I recently, uh, I spent some time with somebody that I hadn't seen since before the pandemic. And, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm eager to hear if you had the same experience, but this person that I'm thinking of changed a lot. Like he became a pizza making expert and he was like making us pizza. And he also grew a mustache. So he kind of like became this like pizza making, I don't know, almost a caricature. 
did you have that experience with any of your friends? Had anybody changed a lot? Yeah, most of them had changed. Um, physical appearance is very interesting because uh, for me, I probably changed the most. I've never had a beard in my life because I never thought I could grow it. I always had a lot of hair on my head, which I don't now. I used to have very, very long dreadlocks, uh, which are gone some years ago. Uh, but now I have a beard, my COVID beard, and it's all white, and I'm very proud of it. It needs to be trimmed now. So everybody, <laughs> we're commenting on that. Oh, Paul, what's something that you did in Denver recently that brought you joy? Okay, okay. Um, well, I was going to talk about something else, but then, Donnie, when you and I were driving around yesterday to um, to do these different recordings that listeners are going to hear next week, yes, I was listening to this new album from a Denver band called 10th Mountain Division, which, hmm. I mean, that's why I was listening. That name caught my eye. I love that historical <laughs> reference. Um, the album's called Butte La Rose. They play this, what they call like ski rock. I think it's almost a jam band, but I was really loving it. And uh, maybe that would be a nice way to go out on this episode. Just a little taste of one of the songs off of 10th Mountain Division's Butte La Rose. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Ski rock. So now we've got surf rock and now we've got ski rock. Also, How Colorado is that? It's so cool. Also, Paul, what is the history with 10, 10th Mountain Division? I don't know it. Oh, oh my God. This is like one of Colorado's best stories. It's World War II, right? And the U.S. Army sees war coming to Europe. Like they know that the theater of war is going to enter Europe. And in Italy, there's these big tall mountains. So the U.S. Army's like, we're going to have to have guys that know how to ski if we're going to be doing some fighting in mountains. So the 10th Mountain Division was uh, like soldiers that were trained to ski as part of their soldierly duties. And then they went and were deployed in Italy and they fought battles. And then they all came back to Colorado where they were trained. And you can go stay in the huts. Like that's like part of the legacy of this, this unit. And uh, these guys all came back from the war and they started skiing companies. Like that's part of why Colorado has such a strong skiing industry today is because of this wow. weird little corner of World War II history. Huh. Well, well explain, Paul. Also, if you, if you can make it to there and you can go to History Colorado, they have a lot. Um, I think they used to have, well, I know they had it in Zimbabwe before because I helped put it together about the 10th. And so that's all kind of artifacts there and background and so on and so forth that you can get, get go and see and read about. Yeah, it, it's truly fascinating. I've lived in Colorado all my life and now I'm finally learning this history. Thank you, Paul wow. and Donnie. The winds of Wyoming fire Burning brighter than the morning star Okay, listeners, before we go, there's one favor I'd like to ask of you, and it's an easy one. Tell us what you think about the show. Do you want the show to be a daily Casa Bonita update? Daily updates from Casa Bonita. Is it reopening? Do we talk about it every day? If you make a strong enough case, maybe we'll do that. Probably not, but maybe. Um, either way, let us know what you think. We got a listener survey. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to this episode. And if you fill it out, you'll be entered to win a chance at $100. That's pretty cool. All right, Donnie, Alexandra, thanks for joining me. Happy Friday. Hey, right back at you. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul.
That's all for us today here on CityCast Denver. Xander McMahon hosted the show this week. Our producers were me, Paul Caroli, Lizzie Goldsmith, and Natalie Rivera. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter. Our music is by Los Mocochetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren, plus probably some more tracks from the Epidemic Sound Library. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, at CityCastDenver. And tell a friend about us next time you see him. You can sign up for that daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week. Donnie's going to be hosting the show for a week. And until then, I hope you have a really good weekend. Today on the one and only CityCast...